1: Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay, Quillette's Canadian editor. This week, instead of bringing listeners an interview, we'll be presenting something different. On Sunday, January 13th, we hosted our first Quillette Social in Toronto, where editors, writers, readers, and supporters met for an evening of drinks, food, and free thought. There were also a number of short speeches, which we'll be excerpting on this podcast. And I should warn listeners, this isn't the usual Quillette Podcast fair— It turns out that free thought sometimes makes for spirited speech, and you may hear an F-bomb or three. We promise we'll get back to the serious interviews next week, but for now, please enjoy excerpts from speeches by, in order of appearance, Quillette founder and editor-in-chief Claire Lehman, Los Angeles-based comedian Jamie Kilstein, Skeptic magazine editor Michael Shermer, then me, followed by American author Christina Hoff Summers, and London-based Quillette Associate Editor, Toby Young. If you like what you hear, go to quillette.com, where you'll soon find video excerpts from these speeches and, in coming months, information about future Quillette social events in other cities.
2: It's my pleasure to introduce
1: to the stage the founder of Quillette. Please welcome Claire Lehman.
0: Hi Thank you so much for coming to the first Quillette social event. I'm so excited to be here in Toronto for this, uh, at the first Quillette party and we hope that there'll be several Quillette parties in cities around the world. I studied Quillette in November 2015. I was a graduate student in psychology. And I had a baby at home and I was struggling in my master's course and I dropped out and uh, I actually started Quillette on a whim. I was sitting on my couch and thinking, what am I going to do now that I'm a university dropout? I've got to do something, so I decided to start an online magazine. I knew there was a gap in the market for data-driven, scientifically literate commentary that didn't conform to dogmatic leftist narratives and I, I, I thought there was a big gap and a big opportunity. And so I grabbed that opportunity and I've just been so lucky to be able to attract the talent that has come to Quillette. So my editors are extraordinarily talented. Jonathan Kaye, Jamie Palmer, Toby Young, and now Paulina, and our writers are exceptional talents as well. We have published some outstanding essays. But more than anything, Colette is about a movement. It's about people coming together and celebrating values that we all hold deep in our hearts, values such as freedom, truth, community, humanity. I think we are living in strange times where some of these values are under threat. So I want to thank you all very much for coming tonight and for supporting Quillette and supporting us in our project. I have to say, we are a bootstrapped organisation. We don't have any funding coming from top down, coming from big investors. Everything comes from the grassroots. So Quillette couldn't happen if it wasn't for people like you, our supporters. So thank you so much. Um, I want to thank Jamie Kilstein, especially. He flew here from L.A., and he's going to talk to you next, so I'd love to introduce you to Jamie.
3: Guys, keep clapping for Claire. She is uh, the reason we don't feel crazy. Jesus Christ, you guys are dressed so nice, and I'm about to curse a lot. Okay, here we go. Uh, it feels really good to be here. It's good to be in a room with people who can still admit Louis C.K. is still funny. I I used to be part of uh, the very woke left, and I was kicked out of the very woke left. Uh, yeah, right now I kind of feel like a Star Wars character who's like landed with the rebels, and I'm like, I'm free, I can talk about Woody Allen. Speaking here, uh, me speaking here, I feel like will solidify my, solidify my exile from the left, but I get to watch Annie Hall for the first time. Uh, I want to take a very academic survey. Uh, Who here is conservative but sick of conservatives? All right, cool. Who here is liberal still but sick of the left? All right, a little louder. who here would rather go outside and talk to a human being face to face, even if they disagree with you ideologically, instead of sitting on Twitter and being called a Nazi, even though I'm fucking Jewish by total strangers and has to unfriend most people on Facebook for their horrible, self-indulgent, whiny ass posts that meander around for days making a grown adult sound like a spoiled 16-year-old goth kid, while thinking maybe, just maybe, if we could see humans as human beings and not part of some bullshit political tribe that disqualifies you from actual human interaction and connection with anyone of a different bullshit political tribe, we could solve all the world's problems and live in peace where we can all just love each other, eat food, take mushrooms, fuck, and pet strangers' dogs. All right, cool, great, same page, same page. Oh yeah, okay, so uh, uh, Claire introduced me. My name's Jamie Kilstein. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I was part of the social justice mob that went after all of you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Christina, we're friends now, it's fine. If I was still part of that group, I would have assumed a Quillette party was just a room full of Nazis Me too each other. So good on you guys for not doing that, I guess. I'm still liberal on a lot of issues. Uh, I've leaned more moderate and even conservative on some, uh, and I think that's good. I think it's good and honest and necessary to call bullshit on both sides, especially when it's your side. Uh, The mainstream political world, however, does not see it that way. If you read my Twitter mentions now, don't, unless you want to drive yourself into the ocean, uh, you will see that I'm hated on both sides. And I'm sure a lot of you guys get the same thing, right? This is good for society and uh, bad for my mental health. If you fall somewhere in the middle, you aren't seen as nuanced. You are somehow seen as the worst of both sides, more extreme than the extremists. With the names people call me, I'm debating changing my Twitter bio just to read Jamie Kilstein, Alt-Right Cuck Snowflake. It makes no sense, but neither does the world we live in. So. How do I know so much about people sending these dumbass tweets? Uh, Cause that used to be me. Is anybody here a recovered, like hardcore social justice warrior? Yes, holy shit, that hand shot up. Uh, <laughs> hug that man. Uh, yeah, no me too. The first time, did this happen to you? The first time someone called me a social justice warrior online, they were like fucking social justice warrior. I thought it was a compliment. Cause like my head was so up my own ass, I was like, thank you, I am a good person. Uh, The problem is, oftentimes when we are projecting a loud, self-righteous character online, it's because we're miserable offline. I was in a failing marriage, I didn't have real friends, I was unhealthy, I was sustaining myself off of retweets of strangers. I was a second away from sucking dick for likes. You guys are so much better dressed for this, I apologize. Uh, I believed about half the stuff I was tweeting, and even the stuff I did believe I wouldn't do in real life. Someone would literally be like, Jamie, your mom's on the phone, and I'd be like, tell her I can't talk, I'm tweeting about feminism. (laughs) Uh <laughs> The more miserable you are, the more you want to take down other people online, right? We saw it with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is one of the hardest workers in the world, a young black comic who 10 years ago tweeted something shitty. So thousands of people online want to make sure he never works again. Not only that, but then they got mad at Ellen, gay Ellen, for having him on her show, and I'm sure next week Ellen will go on someone else's show and we'll get mad at them until they go on someone else's show and we'll get mad at them and it'll go on and on until we die, right? We have stopped rooting for redemption. We tweet our outrage, we don't see people as people. We see them as Twitter handles and profile pictures who are expendable. We get people fired, we ruin relationships, we destroy families, and then we move on. Fuck, I miss the days of duels. Like, let's just go old school, man. You wanna come after my job? Put down your phone 10 paces that way and get a sword, motherfucker. I wasn't doing anything to make the world a better place. I just wanted my Twitter to look like I was. I wasn't feeding the homeless, I was tweeting about how you should. I would post long rants about how people died for the right to vote, and then I believe, instead of voting for Hillary Clinton, I went and saw the Avengers again. (laughs) To be fair, I would still see the Avengers again over voting for Hillary Clinton. You're not a sexist just because you don't like Hillary Clinton. People are like you're not a feminist if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton. fuck you Hillary Clinton supported wars that killed thousands of women. First rule of feminism don't kill all the women I'm still self righteous I see. Uh, I wrote my first piece for uh, I wrote my first piece for Quillette after John McCain died and it was about seeing the humanity in someone you disagree with. Uh, I knew that sad, depressed, and a failing marriage, Jamie, uh, would have been one of the first people to make fun of John McCain when he died, right? I would have been one of the first people to prove how woke I was uh, and tweet about what a bad person John McCain was. But instead of that, new happy single Jamie, uh, I went to uh, his daughter's Twitter uh, and I saw what she wrote. And I saw John McCain for a split second as a man and a father and not a Republican. I saw her as someone who just lost her dad and her hero. So I did what any man would do, I broke down and started crying almost as hard as I did at the end of Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, It's a really sweet movie, you guys. I recommend it highly. Uh, And the next day I wrote a piece about it. The second it was posted on Quillette, a parade of sad blue check marks, some of them my old friends, many of them journalists, uh, started coming after me hard. I literally wrote a piece about being nice to each other and you open up Twitter and it was just like, Jamie's all right, fucking kill him, and they were so angry. I got called by a journalist transphobic. I didn't mention trans people in the article, but was called transphobic. We live in a world of guilt by association with zero follow-up questions. You aren't hateful just because you don't fit you guys who are called hateful, I know you are, uh, just because you don't fit into a politically orthodox box. That, doesn't mean, that means you're original. You aren't boring. You're not hacks. You think for yourself. You don't just regurgitate talking points you heard from MSNBC or Fox. You actually listen to each other like grown-ups. Shit is complicated. If you don't want climate change deniers in the White House, if you don't want Jenny McCarthy deciding if your child should get vaccinated before an outbreak of Los Angeles vegans get polio, then we should also support science when it comes to gender. We are a group of extreme moderates open to hearing uncomfortable truths. We don't believe in trigger warnings unless they are before a box article we know (laughs) we know the best way to support feminism is to empower women and not just wear pussy hats and hijabs we can say that harvey weinstein should go to jail while not me tooing matt damon for suggesting that al franken did a different thing than harvey weinstein because he did But if you equate Al Franken with monsters like Weinstein, it doesn't just hurt those guys, it hurts women who are actually assaulted. Orthodox thinking is what got us George Bush, reality TV, and every Adam Sandler movie that happened after The Wedding Singer. (laughs) Finding people like you guys uh, literally saved my life. Uh, I lost everything, and it sucked. Uh, It sucked to lose everything. I lost my home, I lost my job, I lost my wife, uh, who was my, my best friend, right? Uh, But that world wasn't real. It lived on Twitter and Facebook and an outrage against others instead of introspection within, right? Uh, So here I am, here you are, uh, somewhere in the middle without a tribe, uh, at least we thought until tonight. Uh, We're a tribe of the tribless, and sometimes it's fucking hard, but it's great as well and it's worth it and it's freeing and it's liberating. Uh, These have been the toughest few years of my life, but it's also been the happiest I've ever been with the least I've ever had. Uh, And that's when you know it's gonna be okay and it's shocking That people like you, the people I demonized for years, the people I refused to listen to were the most open-minded of all of them when my life came crashing down. None of you asked what my political thoughts were, you just asked if I was okay. You saw me as a person, even after I was awful to you. And that's why I'm here, to say I'm sorry, to say that I'm glad you all found each other, that somewhere in the middle of all this extreme yelling and partisan talking points live a group of smart, funny, and talented, badass people that don't need to go along with the masses out of fear. This is what bravery and originality looks like. We don't need blue check marks, sorry John. We don't need... We don't need mainstream news. We don't need to feel sorry for ourselves or constantly blame other people for our shortcomings. We can work hard, talk to each other, surrender our ego, and hopefully one day live in a world where we can all love each other, take mushrooms, fuck, and pet strangers' dogs. Thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of your night. I can bring up our next speaker, right? Yeah,
2: she Wow, look at all the people here. This is amazing. I had no idea. Well, it's nice to meet you. I am Michael Shermer, the director of the Skeptic Society and the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. We are a 501c3 nonprofit science education organization devoted to investigating claims of the paranormal, pseudoscience, fringe groups, and cults and claims of all kinds between good science, junk science, bad science, voodoo science, pathological science, non-science, and plain old nonsense. We're primarily a science magazine, so I've largely left my views on politics and economics uh, in my own head, uh, not writing for Scientific American or, or skeptic about my political beliefs. So I was really glad when collect came along. Now, it's not like they're the only place where I could do this, but I'm not a noted political commentator like the great David Fromm, who's here with us to go through those mainstream publications that do cover that. And, but Quillette, I think, met the criteria that I was really looking for, which is to say that the science and arguments come first, the political implications second. The problem with reversing it is that if you make the mistake of tethering your commitment to facts and science to the outcome that matches your political affiliation or beliefs, you're going to get the science wrong. Now watching this huge crowd here, and I think this will just grow over the years, and so when people ask, what are you what are going to do about the social justice warriors or the alt-right uh, crazies, and fringers and all that? Well, yes, there are top-down things we can do, all right? But, but mostly, it's just what we're doing. We're meeting. We're gathering. We're pushing back. So Colette and the Heterodox Academy and other groups that are just saying enough, we've, we've had enough of this, we're, we're not going to put up with this anymore. That's how it really happens, changing the thoughts and minds of people just through conversation. And, and that's why free speech is really the fundamental principle we have to start with, regardless of all the other things that are downstream. Uh, so as this m- movement grows, I, I just want to offer a couple of cautions because... I'm old enough now to have seen a lot of these things happen. When social movements get larger, they tend, so there's a fusion-fission process. They fusion and get larger and larger, then they fission and break up, usually because of internal disputes over ideological positions. This happened to the Marxists and the socialists and communists and feminists and atheists. I remember when the atheists went through this movement, like, you're not atheist enough, but I haven't believed in God once this year. Yeah, but you're still the wrong kind of atheist. You have to be a militant atheist, an anti-theist. Okay, calm down. There aren't that many of us. (laughs) You know, we should, you know, kind of try to stick together, get the agnostics and the skeptics, maybe the pantheists, you know, let's just get as many as we can, you know, because they are big in number, we are few in number, okay. But that inevitably happens. I remember when I went through my obligatory Ayn Rand phase in college, which is required. <laughs> Between 18 and 20, you have to eat, read Atlas Shrugged and commit to that for life. Okay, You know, when Ayn Rand died in 1982, there were like 12 people at the funeral. They had they had basically purged everyone who wasn't a pure objectivist. Okay, this is a huge mistake. Libertarians have done this, everybody does it. Feminists did it, who's the purest feminist So we have to be careful not to do this, but who are the we? Clearly, there's a broad political diversity here, and as much fun as it is to push back against the snowflakes and the safe space loving, trigger warning, social justice left, It's one of my favorite hobbies. We can't define ourselves by what we don't believe. We have to define ourselves by what we do believe. So I'll end with uh, a man for all seasons, Robert Bolt's famous play about Thomas More, in which Thomas More and this character Roper are, are debating about what to do about the devil. And we gotta cut down all the laws to take down the devil because the devil is evil to which Thomas More says, well, what are you going to do when the laws are all cut down and the devil comes after you and there's nothing to protect you. So for our own sake, we must give the devil his due. Thank you. I just want to speak briefly about
1: the nature of journalism, which sounds very high-flown, but again, I'm going to be very brief because there's a lot of people who say that journalism is in decline. Journalism is contracting, but contracting and in decline are two different things. If it were in decline, you would not see green shoots like Quillette coming out of the ground. And the fact that we were able to get a million unique visitors a month and two and a half million page views a month shows that the problem with the media isn't a lack of demand, It's a problem with quality on the supply side. I also, like everybody else here, I want to thank Claire. Some of you may know that I had a job in journalism before this that didn't work out. And and actually, after that job, I thought I might be done with journalism because when I looked on the left, I saw a lot of outlets paralyzed by identity politics. But I also looked on the right and I saw a lot of outlets that were really besieged by populism. And that's part of the problem. We've heard a lot about social justice warriors tonight, but it has to be said there's a big problem on the right side of the media spectrum, too. I didn't see myself reflected in either of those two things. You know, I thought I was going to be a ghostwriter and maybe open a board game cafe. And then, honestly, I saw this thing called Quillette, and people ask how, how I got in touch with Claire and Jamie, and they just assume like I was in some smoke-filled room. But the way I met Claire and Jamie is I typed in pitch at quillette.com with one of my articles, and they're just incredibly open-minded people, uh, and they welcome me into their organization. So, thank you. The last thing I'm going to do before I surrender the microphone to Christina, I want to do a land (laughs) acknowledgement. The Quillette team would like to acknowledge that the land on which we are assembled once witnessed an important chapter in history. During the War of 1812, invading American forces destroyed the Legislative Assembly of Upper Canada. That legislature sat near what is now the corner of Front and Parliament streets, very close to where we sit tonight. We would especially like to acknowledge the bravery of the many indigenous fighters who fought during that war and sometimes died for a British colonial presence that too often repaid their sacrifice with indifference, cruelty and broken promises. More than 10,000 First Nations and Métis warriors fought to defend this land from foreign encroachment. May their valor inspire us to continue our efforts to create a more just and free Canada for all who live within its borders. Thank you.
4: I'm sorry, there's one thing I've learned from my sisters on the progressive left is that clapping is triggering. And- No, 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 what you do, excuse me, what you do is progressive jazz hands, just like that. So if you approve of what I say, show your, uh, uh, you know, a loud round of jazz hands. Uh, Anyway, um, I welcome all of you here. It's just so wonderful to see you. And many things about Quillette delight and astonish me. I mean, first of all, who would think of organizing a meetup in Toronto in January? <laughs> and people come from California and Colorado and Nashville. <laughs> um, I'm also amazed that this brilliant platform was conceived of while Claire was pregnant. <laughs> And when I think of, when I was pregnant, I thought of, you know, many things, but starting a kind of contentious, but scholarly, serious platform. I mean, it's not something that I thought of. <laughs> anyway, Claire Lehman is amazing, and her wonderful team, like Toby Young and Jonathan Kaye and Andy No, I'm so impressed with everything they do. Just think of what this publication means. Week after week, I come across just such well-written, serious-minded, often scholarly articles but readable, that are unlike anything you read elsewhere. I ask you to give a big round of jazz hands (laughs) to Quillette and its founder, Claire Lehman, the mistress of the intellectual dark web.
5: So, Andy Warhol got it wrong. In the future, everyone will be hated for 15 minutes. (laughs) Sorry about that. I had my 15 minutes of hate at the beginning of last year. I was publicly shamed for some stupid, idiotic, sophomoric things I'd said on Twitter, and lost five fucking jobs as a result, including my full-time job, running a charity, and Claire basically rescued me. So I was bobbing around in the ocean, clinging to the wreckage of my career, and this boat appeared on the horizon. And the captain said, you look a bit bereft, how about a job in our engine room? And when I learned that she'd actually built the boat whilst pregnant in her kitchen, I have to say, I did think, is it seaworthy? We flew over yesterday, and since arriving, I've met a ton of people who've gone through a similar experience to me. Other shipwrecked survivors, like Libby Emmons, who was kicked out of her own theatre company for daring to dissent from social justice ideology. Stephen Elliott, who was falsely accused of rape on the shitty media men list. So, Quillette is like a support group for people who've been publicly shamed. Our watchword is, there's no shame in being publicly shamed.